Voice of Hope podcast. Conversations, stories, advice from the autism community for the autism community. Welcome back, everyone, to episode three of Peace of Hope podcast. We actually do not have a special guest today. It's just myself, Emma, and Andrew. Hello. And we are here to talk about the authorization process. Andrew is actually our authorization specialist, so he is going to be our guest, quote unquote, for the day. So we'll just go ahead and jump right in. Quote unquote. Listen, I'm very glad you're here. So we'll just jump into it, as I said. Um, Let's back up to a family comes in and they want services for ABA. What are things that they have to have to be able to access services? Some sort of diagnosis. You can't just walk in off the street with no diagnosis and want services. That's something across all insurances that they're going to require. And the reason the insurance company wants that diagnosis is they're looking for medical necessity. They want to see a reason why they should provide these services and they should pay for these services for your child. Okay, my child has an autism diagnosis. What's step two? Step two is going to be getting your insurance card to us so we can see if you're in-network or out-of-network. What does that even mean? (laughs) So basically, in-network is going to be a lower cost, and you're going to use your benefits for ABA therapy and things like that. Out-of-network, we're going to have to kind of either get a single case agreement with them or, you know, you're going to have maybe more expensive pay for your treatment and things like that. So being in-network is always going to be a better option than going out-of-network. You can call your insurance company as well if you really want to use an in-network provider and ask them to provide you a list of providers in your area. I found my in-network or out-of-network provider, depending on who I want. What should the ABA company provide me with next? We're going to do an eligibility check for you, and that's going to give you all of your benefits um, your deductible, your coinsurance, your co-pays, things like that. That way you can get an idea of what that first bill is going to look like and things like that before we even get started. So there's no surprises on our end as far as billing or on your end as being the payee. I think those are great terms that we should take a moment to go ahead and define. I'll be honest, I didn't completely understand how health insurance works before I actually got into the back end of billing health insurance for ABA services. Just so families understand, the deductible is the amount of money that you are going to pay before your insurance company begins to pay for the services. So it's what's coming out of your pocket. For easy math, let's say you have a $100 deductible and the first charge that we sent to the insurance company was for $50 and they sent it back and they said, yes, this is covered. The family would be responsible for that $50. And then the next session is another $50. Same process. We send it to the insurance company. It comes back. The insurance company says the family is responsible for this $50. Well, now the family has paid $100, so you have met your deductible. So now the insurance company is going to start paying for the services. And this is completely dependent upon your specific plan. Another important thing to remember about your deductible and your out-of-pocket max is that there are many things that are being applied towards this. So if you go to speech and OT, these charges are also being applied towards your deductible and your out-of-pocket max expenses. There are some plans out there that don't have a deductible. So you just, this is one of the reasons we need to do an eligibility check or your provider should do an eligibility check for you so you are prepared for that first bill that's going to come along After the deductible is met, you might have a co-insurance, which is a cost share. So maybe the insurance company pays 80% of the charges 
and you are responsible for the 20% of the charges. So it would be a same similar process where we send the bill to the insurance company. The insurance company would pay 80% of the bill and we would send the other 20% of the bill to the family. So that's the situation with co-insurance. The other option might be is a copay. So let's say $20 per visit where every time the child comes for an appointment, you owe $20 and then the insurance company picks up the rest of the bill. So co-insurance and copay, you can have either one. It Once again, it's dependent upon your plan. You would continue to pay those until you hit what's called your out-of-pocket max. That means that's all the money that you are required by your insurance plan to pay providers. Once you hit that amount, your insurance company should begin paying for services 100%. We have a video up on our Facebook page and it's in our blog if you'd like more information on how insurance works because we know it can be very tricky. I would also suggest if you don't understand how your specific insurance plan works, just call your representative and they'll be able to give you a lot of information so you understand what your benefits are. I think too, if you're ever curious about your accumulations towards your plan that you've met, your deductible, your out-of-pocket, that kind of thing, you can always ask your provider to give you a new knob and they'll call and you know get your notification a of knob? benefits. A knob? What's yeah. that? <laughs> <laughs> so a knob is the acronym for notification of benefits and that basically is a spreadsheet or a document that breaks down all of those things we just talked about. And it'll give you where you stand and how much you have up until that date applied towards your deductible and things like that. Okay, so that's a really high level of an eligibility check and how insurance works. The family receives that knob and then they decide if they want to move forward with benefits. Let's say they say yes, they're very excited, they want to get going. Can they just start the next day? It would be great if it was that easy. But so the next step is going to be getting an assessment authorization. And basically what that is, is the very first step for your child to come in to get assessed to see what kind of services they need. Because we don't know your kid like you know them. So we need to have that first initial meeting, whether it's five hours or 10 hours or things like that, to just get to know your child and see where they stand so that the BCBAs and the staff can, you know, write a treatment plan and get things together for us to get an ongoing authorization. Our guest from last week, Jalen Burns, who is a BCBA, really went into detail about what that assessment is going to look like. So if you missed that podcast, you can pause this and go listen to it or listen to it after that. I would really suggest um, she had some really great content in there. Okay, you have the assessment authorization. The assessment is complete. They have their treatment plan. Can I just start? I'm ready to go. Yeah. So again, it's not that easy. We have to get what's called an ongoing authorization. And basically, it's just another document like the assessment authorization that allows us to say, okay, we want X amount of hours of services and insurance is saying yes or no. And sometimes you'll get it as quickly as two days later and there'll be no issues. And then other times it could take two to three weeks and insurance could come back and say, you know, whatever reason they want for not giving you those hours. And sometimes we've ran into issues where it's not something on our end. They're wanting something about maybe the child's behaviors at home or things like that. So then we reach out to the parents and that's kind of their responsibility to get us those things to keep the ball rolling. I think all in all, the point here is that it's going to take a while. There's many steps to the process. Um, I know providers want it to 
happen as quickly as parents do, but it's really dependent upon, you know, who picks up the phone at the insurance company and how quickly they can authorize services. So be patient. Your provider is trying. They are equally as excited to work with your child as you are. Once the authorization has been obtained from the insurance company, you can probably expect to get something in the mail from them. Providers typically also get it in the mail. Sometimes it's through your portal. Once again, this is all dependent upon your plan, but it's going to have all these different codes on it because ABA uses a multitude of codes when they're working with children, providing services. There is a direct code, and that is when the registered behavior technician is working directly with the child, implementing the protocols written by the BCBA. There is a code for supervision, and that's when the BCBA comes in and is supervising the RBT and also supervising the child to see if there's any updates that need to be made, if there's any training that the RBT needs to better implement the program that the BCBA has written. There are codes for parent training and caregiver training, and that can be in a couple different ways as well. That could be in a group environment where you're in a group with several families learning different ABA techniques to use at home, or it could be it's just your family and you're with a BCBA learning things that are very specific to your child. There, of course, the assessment authorization, and they have their own set of codes as well, but those are just things to look out for and to be prepared for. Nothing bad or nothing scary, just we want to make sure everybody knows how the process works. I think, too, with all of these whether it's regarding your benefits or this piece of paper with the codes. If you have questions, you can reach out to your provider. In our case, if you attend our facility, you can literally call me and we can break down what they have and what they've been approved for in that. So I think that one thing is parents need to realize, like, there's no reason to be overwhelmed with all this because there are resources and your provider and things like that can that can explain everything and walk you through it. And then the process starts all over again. Typically, an ongoing authorization lasts for six months, and then the insurance company wants to do it all over again. But don't worry, you've already done it once. You can do it again. Sometimes the BCBA might want to conduct a reassessment where they assess the child again to see their progress. Other times they might choose not to do it, but they'll still update a treatment plan. You should get an updated treatment plan every six months. That's something to look for when you're working with a provider. You want to see the data. Show me the data. That is a big part of ABA. You want to see the progress that your child has made on paper in black and white with the data to back it up. So they'll do the assessment, the reassessment, and then they'll get another ongoing authorization and it'll last for another six months. And this will continue until the child is ready to be discharged because the goal of ABA is that you don't need us forever. We want to give the family and the child all the tools and the skills they need to be successful. So what if I'm a parent and I decide to switch jobs and my insurance changes or my current employer, it's open enrollment time and we switch from Aetna to Blue Cross Blue Shield. Do I need to do anything? Yeah. So the first thing you need to do is let your provider know, get them a copy of your insurance card so we can do all of the things that we talked about earlier. We need to verify your benefits. 95% of the time going to have to get a new authorization because they don't necessarily carry over, especially when you're switching between major insurance carriers. So definitely if that happens, you need to let your provider know 
first thing off the bat. The earlier you can tell your provider, the more they are going to love you. Yes. So they can be prepared and make sure there's no lapse in billing. Yeah. There's also occasionally the unfortunate side of working with insurance carriers where there's a denial, especially with an authorization. Maybe your BCBA wants the child to come 30 hours a week, but they only approve 20 hours a week. What do you do? There's two parts to this process. The parent, I guess the listener in this case, will also get a letter in the mail saying the same thing that we get and your provider gets telling you why it was denied and how many hours were denied. There's also most of the time on that letter going to be an appeals department or something that you can do as the parent to say, hey, here's why I think I need to appeal, that kind of thing. And if you reach out to your provider and you say, yeah, I agree with you, my kid does need 40 hours instead of 20, you know, we take that work on our end as well about getting that appealed and seeing what we can do about, you know, getting those hours approved. So there's, there's always kind of a workaround. Um, it just takes time just like with everything else. So just be patient. We want to have this podcast so families are informed and it's not so scary when you're trying to get started. January is all about being newly diagnosed and we want to give you more resources and more tools to have in your tool belt so you feel prepared when you're looking for services for your child. Thank you, Andrew, for being our quote unquote guest (laughs) for the day. Be sure to tune in next week for another episode following the newly diagnosed series. And if you haven't listened to episode one and two, you can check those out on our Facebook page or on any of your major platforms like apple Podcasts, spotify see you next week bye bye thanks for listening to a piece of hope podcast to learn more about piece of hope or to donate to a piece of hope scholarship fund visit appleseasaba.com forward slash piece of hope join us next week for more stories conversations and advice from the autism community for the autism community